Hey, I'm Megan Copeland. And I'm Kendra Bartlett, and this is the His Beloved of Texas podcast. So we're two moms that live across the street from each other. Together, we have 10 kids, and we love our Catholic faith. We lead a women's group in Austin, Texas called His Beloved of Texas, where our goal is just to bring women to sit at the feet of Jesus. This podcast was born out of the pandemic. We were stuck at home and still wanted to minister, and so we decided to start sharing stories of how God has worked in our lives and in the lives of our friends. And here we are today, season three. Three. And our hope for this podcast is that you hear stories of joy, stories of heartache, but through all of it, you see Jesus and you know that there's hope. There's hope for us because God is walking every step of the way. We laugh, we cry, we say some crazy things. What is the thing you want to tell us, Kendra? Oh, I really enjoy folding fitted sheets. (laughs) And I think that's crazy. (laughs) We're so glad you're here. Join us. Guys, welcome back to the His Beloved podcast. I'm Megan, and today, maybe one of my favorite episodes we've ever had. We have the pastor of my parish, Father Charlie Garza, on the podcast today, and... Father Charlie, there's just something holy and set apart about him. He has a special healing charism, and he believes that healing and deliverance should not be something that is strange or scary. I know those words sound scary to me, um, but when uh, he explained it on the podcast, it just made sense. And Kendra and I are in this process of learning healing prayer because of Father Charlie's um, just desire for more people to be trained and more people to be able to pray for people. And it's been a huge gift for us. We've learned so much from his wisdom in the last uh, six months. Uh, At our church, we had a big problem last year. And it's funny because he talks about not ever wanting to build a building. And we had a huge storm that hit Texas. You may have heard about it. (laughs) It was a big freeze. And it caused a water pipe to break in our church sanctuary. And thousands and thousands of gallons of water poured into our church. And uh, it's been hard, to say the least. It's been a lot of work. And it's kind of taken Father Charlie's time and attention away from what he is truly passionate about, which is loving people and leading them to Jesus. And this podcast is beautiful because he's so vulnerable. And uh, there were multiple times where you could just see the pain in his eyes, or you could see the joy. And there was multiple times that he became emotional during the podcast and just shared a ton of wisdom with us. We talked about the um, pandemic and how we were all kind of hurt after the pandemic for different reasons, right? Still, still hurt. And the way things hurt us to lose the Eucharist. And Kendra had a really beautiful moment where she was very vulnerable and very honest and shared a hurt that she's been holding on to. And during the podcast, the Lord healed her heart. Like I saw it happen. And I asked her, Do you want me to take that part out of the recording? And she said, No, because there might be someone else who was holding on to some anger or some heartache as well and they need to let that go and maybe me being vulnerable will allow them to take that to the Lord too. So today is a fantastic podcast. I hope you share it with your friends and I also hope that you join us on February 18th for our next His Beloved Adoration and Worship Night. It's called Set Free. You guys, we're going to sell out of tickets this time around. So if you want tickets, get them fast. 
we are blown away by the excitement, by just the love that's being poured out, that people want to go and be near Jesus and in community with one another. So it's happening fast. (laughs) Those tickets are flying off the shelves. So get one now. All right, guys, I hope you enjoy. Hey, Kendra. Hi, Megan. How are you today? I'm so good. You know why I'm so good? Because it's freezing outside? Well, no. No. (laughs) I didn't think (laughs) so. I do not want to be freezing outside. (laughs) Yeah, tomorrow's going to be worse and the next day I'm not. I know. This is why I don't live up north. Why are you so good? I'm so good because I'm here in my parish with my parish priest. And I'm so excited to be here with Father Charlie Garza. And... um, I feel like we've mentioned him many times on the podcast. Sorry, you, you make yes. a regular appearance on our podcast, <laughs> whether you realize that or not. Um, as long as it's good things. Oh, it's, it is. It's always good things. All good things. Yes. Um, but now we get to share you with our, our friends, and that yeah. makes me really happy. Yeah. Would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. Um, so my name is Father Charlie Garza. I'm the pastor at St. Albert the Great Catholic Church. I've uh, been a priest uh, for 11 years. Um, for any of those that are Texans, um, I'm uh, an alumni of Texas A&M, so I'm Woo. an Aggie. We have a lot of those um, on here, you know? Yes. Yes. Well, yes. You know, <laughs> you know we, how it goes. You know, all the priests, pretty much, are all... <laughs> That's there, awesome. There are a number of us. Yes. Oh my gosh, it is. Father Will, Every Father one of them. and you. Yes. That's true so far. Uh-huh. That's, that's, that's true. neat. So... Yeah, and uh, born and raised uh, in Texas, so uh, Texan pretty much all my life. So. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And you have how many nieces and nephews? Do you have any nieces? I know you have nephews. I, I have one nephew. One nephew. Um, and we have one on the way that we're not sure yet whether it'll okay. be a niece or a nephew. Oh, we'll, that's we'll, exciting. we'll find out. So. Okay, yeah, that's so exciting. <laughs> in, in March, uh, actually. Oh, yay. So, Very so, cool. Yeah. It's a great season. Okay, so we're going to start with a few questions. Sure. Okay. Um, so I love going... You know, especially with our fellow priests, mm-hmm. um, we're going to get to know your story, but I want to know who you were as a kid as well. Mm-hmm. So I am curious as to what your favorite imagination game was when you were little. Hmm. It's an interesting question. That a favorite is. imagination game. Um, honestly, I don't really remember a particular imagination. Oopsie. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's okay. Make sure all. These are silent before. Part of my thing is I set all kinds of reminders for myself because oh. I yes. forget <laughs> things sometimes. And so uh, then I forget to undo the reminder uh, <laughs> when it doesn't apply anymore. So um, favorite imagination game. Hmm. I guess it was... I guess the best way I could describe it would be I used to read a I'm a big book uh, lover. So especially okay. when I was a kid, um, I was kind of always had my, you know, nose in a book. So it would mm-hmm. be really, really would be whatever story uh, I was reading at the time would be really what I would say as far as imagination. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like reading whatever would be the particular yeah. thing would be. Yeah. So. What was your favorite book or book series growing up? Um I really liked, um, when I was little, it was, or younger, it was the boxcar children. Mm. Um, so, uh, I was really into kind of more of like detective type, of, uh, stuff. And yeah. so, um, the boxcar children were one of my favorites, uh, growing up as mm-hmm. far as series. That but, is a fun one. Did you so. get into any comics, Marvel or anything like that? It was interesting. No, okay. uh, I was never really into the uh, whole, I think I've watched more of them like in the recent movies that have come out <laughs> Yeah, growing up. I was never okay. you know, really into yeah. any of, uh, those ones particularly. Okay. But, so. so Spider-Man is the big one out mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking about it. 
Do you think superheroes are operating out of virtue or vices? Like, are they, you know what I mean? Like, are they protecting out of humility or, you know, service or are they doing it in pride? Well, I think it depends. Crazy. I, don't know. I don't know where that came <laughs> from. <laughs> probably, it probably depends from one to the next, right? Yeah. Because Iron so. Man's very prideful. Yeah. Isn't he? He's very. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. But you maybe others. Self-absorbed. Are more. What about Spider-Man? What? But I think I think all of us. I mean, that's why they, I think it's been so effective as a series right now is because people want to be a superhero. Mm-hmm. Um, we always want to be more than who we are, mm-hmm. um, and I think there's a truth in that, right? Like yeah. we are created uh, for greatness. I mean, our Lord cer- certainly calls each of us for that. But I think I think the the challenge is, and that's where the, your question is interesting because it's to me there's a difference between fantasy mm-hmm. and imagination. Fantasy is like you want to escape. Uh, from who you are and imagination is like you want to invite God into that and kind of it's it's imagination to me is always in like an Ignatian spirituality which is a big thing for me Uh it's like confronting the reality of your situation with God Um, that's the difference between like imagination prayer versus like an escapism so sometimes Uh we talk about like you know imagination and to me it's almost like it's like a fantasy world because you're escaping from something Mm -hmm. Um, versus like imagination is like that capacity to confront something that's hard for us to confront so like you know when I think of like the of your superheroes and all that. It's like, to me, a lot of times I think some of them, you know, Iron Man's a good example. He's escaping from something, Mm -hmm. at least initially, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think he he wants to be the good, you know, man. And it's interesting, you know, uh, that... I always find the interest in the Marvel movies, his character, because he's the one who ends up sacrificing um, Mm -hmm. the most. Mm -hmm. So That's beautiful. That's That's interesting. interesting. Well, if you could create your own superhero... What power would they have? That's that's an easy one. So uh, (laughs) Professor X is the one that's always been my favorite. Really? um, Yes. So uh, for those that don't know him, he's a leader. Uh, I don't know him. Okay. So his his power is that he reads people's minds. Oh, okay. uh, But it's also – his character is fascinating because – He's in one sense one of the most powerful because he can literally control people. But oh. he uh, had an accident where he's paralyzed. Mm-hmm. So physically, he's as weak as you can get, but mentally, he's one of the most intelligent, um, you know, yeah. ever. So, but to me, the reason I like his character is because he's the one who his whole job is about helping, um, like, he helps the X Men become who they were created to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like he he's like that one who would help them to process through their pain, their woundedness, um, see their gifts. Um, that's why I like him because that's mm-hmm. kind of... That's who you are. Exactly. I mean, but that's the whole thing about that's interesting about superheroes and why they're yeah. so effective. There's some truth about either who we are or who God created us to be, why yeah. certain ones appeal to us and why they don't. So, I mean, for me, I mean, that's why he appeals you yeah. know, to me. Um, so, yeah, to me, I, I just, um, you know, it, it was funny when I was, uh, as a seminarian, they ask you what are called like exit interview questions uh-huh. at a seminary. And I still remember like I aced every question they asked me, uh-huh. except there were two that stumped me, um, or I guess one in particular. They asked me what kind of priest I could see myself being. Um, and the reason it stumped me is because I go, well, a diocesan priest, which I am, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, but what I've come to realize in the years since then is it was almost like within the priesthood, there's like sub 
sense. Mm -hmm. So like each priest has their own particular, you know, gifts, talents, etc. Um, even among the diocesan priesthood, well, I could say we're like the Swiss army knife of the priesthood. We got to do a little of everything, but, mm -hmm. but each of us have our areas. So for me, um, I, uh, so they asked me, that's right. That was the two questions. They asked me, uh, what is it that I could see myself as doing as a priest and what were things that I could never see myself doing mm -hmm. as a priest? Those were the two questions that stumped me. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and uh, I remember when they asked me the questions of not what I could see myself not doing, I said fundraisers or building projects. <laughs> uh, which the reason why that's really funny is You're because doing uh, <laughs> my last parish, I realized quickly I would have to do that. So I had to yeah. do both of those. And then when I came here, uh, I was not aware initially that I was finishing off uh, a building project of the new building that was here. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I said, all right, Lord, uh, <laughs> I'll stop. I'll stop. Uh, because obviously you want me to build stuff, even yeah. if I don't want to. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I prefer building up people than buildings, but, yeah. um, but yeah. God wants me to do both. So it's yeah. so interesting <laughs> because we did the gifts assessment last weekend mm -hmm. for, um, the healing prayer ministry training. And so I just keep thinking about, really we're all kind of like given these gifts and it's mm -hmm. kind of like the superheroes and all, yeah. all people coming together. Like God has planted a gift in all of us, but it's whether or not we know how to access it. We know how to allow him to work through that gift or we just don't even know it's there. Mm -hmm. right? right. And so I've been like this whole week just really thinking about my own gifting, other people's giftings, the way the Lord is planning to work through all of that. Mm -hmm. And, and, and the supernatural power mm -hmm. of them too. True. Like not just, Oh, I'm good with numbers or like, but what yeah. God has is like, he wants to breathe this life into that gift and allow mm -hmm. it to flourish and use it to, mm -hmm. to for his glory, right? Like yeah. that's that was one thing she said is like it's one thing to be good at something; it's another thing to have a charism that the Lord put on your heart that brings people right. to Him mm -hmm. and is used for His goodness. Right. And I feel like you do a really good job of making sure people like, know their giftings and calling out giftings in people and allowing them to flourish in their mm -hmm. in the parish yeah. and in their own lives and yeah. using that for. He healing of others is a big part. I, mean, I feel like we should just go there. Yeah. I, questions? Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. I, the same thing. I, <laughs> I would love too. to hear. Yeah. Um, you already kind of started that conversation, but you have a special charism of healing, right? And of bringing, and one of the things I've heard you say is healing shouldn't be something that is um, like out of the ordinary. Out of the ordinary. That's the word yeah. I'm looking for. Thank you. But that we're all called to um, to experience that and to be a part of it. And I think that's beautiful. Would you speak into that a little bit? Sure. Well, to me, it's it's interesting when you study the life of Jesus, It's he spends most of his time in the Gospels uh, either eating with people. Mm -hmm. uh, he's at a lot of parties. Yeah. Um, yeah so there's a lot of meal ministry. He's a foodie. Um, <laughs> I, I love it. He likes people more than the food. I'm not about foodie, but I, I guess you could say that too. Yeah, but um, good wine. <laughs> we can ask him that question. <laughs> Are you a foodie, Jesus? Well, I guess Eucharist. I mean, yeah, so, right. Okay. Yeah. I guess you could yeah, say definitely foodie, a food so. <laughs> Um, but it, so like he does the meal ministry, but then he does healing, deliverance, mm -hmm. and to me, I've just always been. It's interesting to me. He's only amazed when healing or deliverance doesn't occur. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't have a single case. Everybody else around him is amazed, and like the writer, uh, gospel writers will be very clear about saying how people were so amazed, etc. You never hear Jesus amazed in any part of Scripture except when it talks about him being amazed that they weren't healed. And to me, that's where I think um, just the, the, 
the core challenge our society has, uh, and even unfortunately in Christian world, is we view healing and deliverance as extraordinary mm-hmm. when our Lord makes it very clear the model is it should be extremely normal mm-hmm. and that we should only be surprised when healing or deliverance doesn't occur. Um, and so for me, that's it's kind of been the kick that God's had me on lately um, mm-hmm. because um, I was not, um, when you speak of growing up, so my background was more of a traditional type, like it was not involved charismatic movement, none of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when someone once asked me, they said, uh, are you a charismatic priest? Uh, and I say, yes, but I'm the least charismatic charismatic priest uh, <laughs> because I don't conform to like what I would say the stereotypes of that are because to me, all of us are called to be charismatic because it just means, are you tried to move with the Holy Spirit? Mm -hmm. Yes. But do I move in the Holy Spirit in the way others do? Not necessarily. So to me, I think that's, it just, that's case of where do we see um, it being normal? um, Mm -hmm. And do we have that expectation? You know, we all talk about obviously faith being so important when it comes to healing, but I think it's, it's just, we, we don't have that expectation. Um, and once we do, it's amazing to see, you know, I mean, again, the, the stuff I've seen God do um, is just amazing, but mm-hmm. it's, do we expect it? Yeah. Um, and I think, I think that's the core hurdle challenge that many of us have to get over. Mm-hmm. So just going, tying what you just said together with, mm-hmm. I'm still kind of thinking about superheroes. Um, <laughs> and then Megan, with what you said about our giftings, okay we're all just spiritual superheroes in the making, mm-hmm. I feel like, and mm-hmm. just coming to the point of the awakening mm-hmm. um, of what gifts God has given us and how to use them and that sort of thing. And um, with that said, I feel like I'm partly walking around in a world of zombies in a way mm-hmm. of that have just fallen asleep through busyness, through fear, through whatever it may mm-hmm. be. Um, and I guess I can be so bold as to say that it's deeply affecting the church as well. Like post COVID, um, you know, my, my parish, you know, the numbers are down, involvement is down and, and that sort of thing. And, um, how do we reawaken? How do we awaken those that we walk by? How do we awaken those, um, that know the Lord, but are still Mm -hmm. just humming along? Mm. We have to get uncomfortable. Yeah. But mm. I, I think, I mean, because you, you, you were mentioning about, you know, with healing too. I like to say when I had, you know, people use different terms, but I call it, you know, um, baptism of the Holy Spirit is a, a common mm-hmm. term that's used for this. Mm-hmm. But the awakening, you know, so to speak. Um, we say encounter is, a lot, um, like an yeah. encounter with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, encounter yeah. with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it says you have to go first to that place where you're uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. For me, when it happened is I had to realize where I was prideful. Um, so pride was my big obstacle for myself of being able to encounter that deeper part of the Holy Spirit awakening, if you will. Mm-hmm. Well, I always had the desire for healing, et cetera. It wasn't until that moment. Um, and it was interesting because when it happened for me, um, I, again, didn't grow up around deliverance ministry or anything like that, um, had a case where... I, you know, there was someone who now with the knowledge I have, they were definitely partially possessed. Um, Mm. and, uh, in my pride at the time, uh, I, you know, did the, all right, we're going to go do this thing. Uh, Okay. Um, and, uh, just, I still remember like 
never feeling more exhausted physically, emotionally, spiritually ever in that moment. Uh And in that place, having to acknowledge I couldn't do it. Mm. Um, the self-reliance and that was where I acknowledged a place of self-reliance and pride in myself that I'd never been able to see. Um, and ever since that moment, that was when there was more of an awakening. Now, of course, one can always, you have to be careful because you can always go backwards. If you don't watch yourself and walk mm-hmm. with the Lord and acknowledge, you know, where that is. Pride's always yeah. something I have to be aware of. Um, but it's that case where I had to go to that place that was uncomfortable, um, acknowledge that thing was hard to acknowledge that I never wanted to acknowledge, and that's what awakened. And I think the challenge is, and I see this with, you know, in answer to your question about COVID, it's people don't want to acknowledge what's made them uncomfortable mm-hmm. and how they've gone to the comfortable things uh, instead. Because mm-hmm. we've tried since the get-go to, you know, I mean, we do a parking lot um, option where people can sit in their cars mm-hmm. or whatever. And I've been fascinated when talking with people, they'd rather do the live stream. And what does it boil down to? It's uncomfortable to yeah. sit in a car. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I get that. Interesting. Um, but then it's like, you know, and we'll, we'll try to talk with them sometimes and say, but, you know, but. And it's interesting because the ones who have had that special encounter, okay, mm-hmm. to use that term Megan was mentioning because I think it's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um are willing to sit in the car and we'll talk about how, you know, they'll be crying because they're able to receive our Lord because they were like, oh, I'm, you know, I was worried about coming into the church or, you know, et cetera. And I'm okay, I get it. Everyone's in a different place. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is that difference for that person uh, versus the ones where I'll talk and say, but don't you miss our Lord? Mm-hmm. And like, oh, I'm good. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. good sitting in, you know, uh, home, et cetera. And I think it's, it's that notion just to say, are we willing to acknowledge what it is we're uncomfortable with and to acknowledge those places where sometimes we've gone to things other than our Lord seeking that comfort? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. When, um, when I first came to St. Albert the Great, so I've only been here, what, five or six months, something like mm-hmm. that. And um, I had been in another parish for a long time and had been praying like, God, are we mm-hmm. still called to be here? Are you releasing us from this ministry that we're doing here? And I was kind of starting to feel like we were being released. And I met Mary Pomeroy mm-hmm. through a, a mutual friend. And during that time, we had been through some really, really hard things last year. My daughter, Ella, had had multiple concussions and um, an autoimmune disorder. And I just had surgery, like remember that week, mm-hmm. and I could barely walk. And yeah. she said, um, she said, well, Father Charlie's gone right now. He's on a 30-day silent retreat. And I was like, 30-day silent retreat? That's <laughs> awesome. And she said, but when he gets back, there's a healing mass. And I was like, a healing mass? I, I, I think I need to go to that. And I remember that night, I, I literally could barely walk. I wasn't even allowed to drive yet, I don't think, from the surgery. And my mom ended up staying one more night. And so I was like, okay, she can take care of the baby. And I walked out of the house with, I'm pretty sure Livy was vomiting. I don't remember why. And Tessa, right. I know. Like that's normal, right? <laughs> it's normal. And Tessa's screaming and, I, and I'm like, I, I can't not go though. Like, yeah. I can barely walk and Ella can barely walk, but we need to be at this healing mass. And I didn't exactly know why or what it was even going to be. And I brought Ella in that day and you prayed with her and um, you saw her heart in a way that you couldn't have otherwise had the Holy Spirit not spoken to you. Mm-hmm. And it was very clear and obvious that the Spirit was speaking through you. And um, you just spoke this beauty into her of her um, ability to um, to sing and all of these just just gorgeous things that she will never, ever forget. And I thought in that, that moment, I was like, this is a place that I want to be because the Spirit is clearly moving here. And Father Charlie is so open to, to the Holy Spirit. And um, so the next month I came back and went back to the Healing Mass again. Mm-hmm. 
And in between those two times, Ella actually had another concussion. And her concussion was so bad um, before that, so that was number three, she actually couldn't um, read anymore. Her eyes were so, I don't even know what was wrong affected. with them, but they were so affected <laughs> that she couldn't yeah. read. And so she did not yeah. go to school the entire second semester of school last year because she couldn't pick up a book. And she is a singer and she's an actress and she does theater. And we were getting ready for her to go to um, a theater camp, which she was so excited about. And she also has problems with memory whenever she gets a concussion and obviously Actors need to know how to memorize lines and sing and be around loud music and all the things. And she had gotten better, and then she got um, another concussion. And it felt like this final, like, just blow for her and for us. And I brought her into you, and you prayed with her, and and she was healed. I've never told you that. (laughs) But um, within a day or two, all of a sudden, her vision was back to normal. And uh, she was able to memorize her lines and sing and dance and do all the things. And of course, like she's, she still struggles with, with, um, she's had multiple concussions since then, but they haven't been to that extent. And, uh, and it was just beautiful to watch the Lord really use your ministry. And I know you're such a humble person. I told Kendra, I was like, I want to brag on Father Charlie Phillip, but I'm not sure he's going to let me. (laughs) But I just wanted to be able to tell you that story and uh, what a difference it made for my life, but also for my kids to see that um, and to see your openness to the Spirit and your willingness to allow Him to Mm -hmm. use you to reach the hearts of the people that you have been given to pastor. It's beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. And I know you probably have... A million more stories stories, like that that you will probably never tell us because (laughs) you are too humble to to share them. But but it's the beauty of those is what I've noticed with illness is it holds us back, Mm -hmm. and and that's my passion is is to help people not to feel held back because Mm -hmm. again you know the there have been things in my own life that have held me back. Um, So when I share about pride, like part of it is. I used to beat myself up interiorly, mm. um, you know, self-condemnation, other things, never good enough, all that. Yeah. Um, and so it's something, you know, it brings me joy in hearing that because the enemy wants to hold us back. Right. Um, he wants to keep us from being yeah. who. And to my desire is, yeah, to, to help people to realize uh, those desires that live in their heart, but that for some various reasons, uh, something's come against that. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's, you know, that's, that's what healing deliverance is all about is how do we invite the person to have the encounter with God so that whatever that is, uh, can be healed or removed, Mm -hmm. uh, so that they can live in that truth of who God made them to be. Will you explain just for a minute, the difference Mm -hmm. between healing and deliverance? Well, the reason I laugh too is because, um, I once told an exorcist, I'm not an exorcist by the way. Um, <laughs> I once told an exorcist that I just wanted to do healing ministry and the exorcist laughed at me. Um, <laughs> and then he says something I've always remembered, uh, is that they're two sides of the same coin. Uh, so even when we talk about it in a sense, they're the same. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I like to say it is now the way I view it is like two different approaches. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the case of, uh, the healing approach, which is more of like my heart's natural desire and inclination to go uh, at stuff, um, you're focusing on what, what's the wound, um, uh, what's the trauma, what's the thing that's happened to that person. Um, and that's kind of what you're trying to invite God into, mm-hmm. um, in the case of, uh, deliverance, um, it's more of what's the lie of the enemy. 
what's the thing of the enemy that the person is bought into? And so they're hearing that lie rather than hearing God's truth in that place. Mm. And so you're trying to deliver them from that place of the kingdom of lies uh, to the kingdom of heaven. Um, so where you can hear the truth uh, mm. of God in place of the enemy's lies. So that, that would be the simplest way I would say that I uh, would define it in my own words. And yeah. for caveats, there's other formal definitions, such as Father Charlie's yeah. definition. <laughs> that's, that's a that was great definition, well though, that yeah. I've never heard before because Kendra and I, we do a lot of ministry together and we're starting to really see these like themes of what the Lord is kind of like our, our mission, I guess, like what we're being mm-hmm. called. And a big part of it is recognizing the lies yeah. and calling out the lies and praying through those. And I never made the connection that that was yeah. deliverance. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? Like that's that, true. That, but that's just where God's been stirring our hearts for a while is yeah. to just kind of really dig deep into what that looks like. And, yeah. and, and I have a story of, of, going through that in my own life and learning that, but we weren't really taught at the time. So right. now I'm really interested. And this is part of what will be in the Unbound Conference, right? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, so Neil Lozano uh, is a deliverance minister and, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's written a lot, but part of the reason why I like his approach, there's there's different ones that are more kind of person-centered uh, versus ones that would be more focused on the evil itself. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the healing approach, I've just been naturally led more to the person-centered approaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, Neil Lozano uh, talks about five keys. Um, and uh, in the conference, uh, although the, and he'll mention this, but his favorite of the keys is the last one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the Father's blessing. Um, mm-hmm. So saying, how do we allow God the Father to, to bless us? And even, you know, in, in, what's interesting, Megan, is even what you're mentioning, the example of your daughter. If you think about it, literally what I was doing was blessing her. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I've noticed is mm-hmm. some of the greatest healing deliverance comes from when we're blessed. Mm-hmm. And so if... One, if the Holy Spirit speaks to me, okay, this person's greatest desire is to be a seen or to be an answer. Well, what's the enemy going to try to do? He's going to try to short circuit and keep that person from being able to do that because that's who God's called them to be. That's their desire of their heart. And so by blessing them, you help them to encounter God in that place. Um, You mentioned charisms early. And what's interesting, the way I talk about charisms too, a charism is when we're most ourselves with God. Like it's, it's like, when I'm operating in my charisms, it's mm-hmm. when I'm most connected to God because mm-hmm. that's, it's like the way, again, I talk about it is like God placed that part of himself in our hearts. Mm-hmm. So if I have a particular charism, it's like I have that particular God stuff, if you will, within me. And so by living in that charism, I will most likely, I will most connect to God. And it's also where the greatest mm-hmm. healing and easiest healing deliverance comes. I will get someone to go into their charism connect with God, and then the healing deliverance comes. So that's also wow. why I like to hear what their cares and like what they what they desire, et cetera, uh-huh. because I found that's far easier. Uh-huh. So if someone has a gift of music, inviting them to sing, et cetera, could deliver them or heal them from something. Right. Whereas if someone didn't have that, that approach wouldn't be as effective for them. But if they were like... Um, you know, someone who had a gift of craftsmanship, um, you know, baking something, uh, making something, et cetera, uh, sewing something, that that would be what would help connect them to that place of their heart. Wow. So, wow. This all makes so much more sense. I know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Now I understand because that's wow. exactly what you did with her is you blessed her. You looked her right in the eyes and yeah. said, you're a beloved child of God and, and filled her with this love, like the father's love. 
And then you called out her singing in her. And yeah. and that was such, that in itself was a blessing because you didn't know her. You didn't know she could sing. You'd never met her before. But it was such a, like an affirmation for her yeah. own little heart of that she was on the right path. And, and I, she was starting to have pain the other day. And I walked downstairs and I heard her singing upstairs. Oh, <laughs> I was good. like, oh, okay, she's doing it. She was singing some funny song. <laughs> some random. I think something from Encanto probably. But probably. Um, but yeah, she she took it to heart though and she's using it. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, it makes sense too. Mm. Like if you're someone who works with your hands yeah. and that's a time where you connect with the Lord, then that would be, that could yeah. be a charism for that person. And of course, so I'm just going back to this thought of like awakening people and how they're being, um, I don't know. I just envision like not, not a robot, but like, you know, those little wind up toys Mm -hmm. and they're just kind of moving along, um, going in one direction, but they're being just, I don't know, silenced by noise, by all the things around them that are distracting them from knowing what their gifts are Mm -hmm. and like being too busy to where they can't even engage in, the craftsmanship or whatever, the singing, whatever it may be to really hone in on that gift and allow the Lord to really touch them there. They may not even know it exists. They may not even know it exists. When I first had my conversion, I didn't know a thing about evangelization or the church or anything, right? And I started working, volunteering in youth ministry. And I did feel called to that. But when I got there, I was terrified. Teenagers Mm. are very scary. (laughs) (laughs) You're not used to them. And I would sit with this like group of like, you know, ninth grade girls and they would just be silent and not say a word. And I was like, this is the worst thing on the planet. And then all of a sudden, like the Lord awakened this love in my heart. And when you were just talking about like, I'm learning that my charism is where I'm most fully alive. Like I'm most fully myself. And I see kind of a difference in myself. And when I'm in that mode of like working with teens or women or like youth ministry, I have this like excitement and joy that I don't have the rest of the time. You know what I mean? And and I get to like be free almost. Like there's a freeing aspect to that. And and I would have never known that charism existed. And I think that's true for a lot of people. Like we, they haven't tapped into what it is that makes them feel fully alive and fully free and have that deep connection with the Lord. Yeah. I think that so goes maybe back that's like to, second part of encounter. <laughs> right. Maybe so. Just what you were talking about, just being uncomfortable and how that freezes people up. So, you know. Oh, I was real uncomfortable at first. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you that's had scary. a desire for it though. Right. I did. And mm-hmm. and that's, I think, but that's, I think in answer to your question, Kendra, that's, yeah. that's the thing is, do we come back to desire? Mm. So um, what wakes people up is if they start to get in touch with their desire. So mm-hmm. if pe- someone was, you could look at any of my seminary vocation stories. I would always mention healing, which is fascinating because again, I had no experience with the charismatic movement. The uh-huh. desire for healing was always there. Mm-hmm. I wow. didn't live in it as fully. Okay. Until probably, you know, only um, maybe about nine years ago. Um, but it was a case, it was the desire for it was always within me. Um, and so I think that that's what we have to ask people is what, what do you desire? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you have to pry a little bit because they've forgotten their desires or they've abandoned them or just gotten discouraged or given yeah. up and those never happen. Okay. But no, like what, what is something when you were a kid, what was something you just always, you dreamed, like you desired, you know, you, etc. going back to your imagination thing you were mentioning earlier. Okay. It's, it's that case of like, what, what was that? What was that dream? Was it, what was that desire of your heart? And that is where the charism lives. Mm. But the problem is, again, so many times just different stuff happens uh, that people will abandon that. And that's what the enemy wants. 
Um, you know, I always reflect on like Satan's name was Lucifer, the light bearer. And yet he bore his own light and became the prince of darkness. So mm-hmm. his strategy is always he wants us to become the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. So if someone has, you know, charism of healing, the enemy's strategy is going to make them uh, be a wounder. Um, wow. And, uh, wow. you know, if someone uh, has a charism of music, you know, of song, et cetera, he'll want them again. So it's each case he tries to get us, and that's the battle each of us face. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'll have things, even though I know I'm called to help people encounter God's healing, uh, there can be ways that something will come and try to come against that. Um, and that's that's the enemy's tactic of, you know, he'll always try to get us to uh, go out of our charisms. Um, right. And if we get back into them, that's where we're our most uh, with God, we're most centered in God. Mm-hmm. Gosh, amazing. That's so true for Ella because remember she had the concussion, yeah. which allowed yeah. stopped her from singing, dancing. She couldn't be around loud music or anything. And then after that, she got better. And then she had asthma for an entire month. And it literally, like her voice was gone. And I wondered, yeah. will she ever sing again? Like, will I ever hear that voice? And that was a, a, a scary place to live in of, yeah. will we ever? And, but I, in that moment, I had that thought of like, this is the place where the enemy is trying to attack her because it's the place yeah. of her gifting where she yeah. can make a difference. But, but see, that's what's interesting. You start to sing. Mm-hmm. Meaning even if you can only rasp or whatever. Just do it. Exactly. Ah. That's the way out of it. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I mean, again, we, we're, like we're, we're familiar with like writer's block, right? right. Um, anyone who is a writer will tell you what's the way out of writer's block. You got to keep writing. Uh, or wow. if a sport athlete is in a slump, they, they will tell you like, you know, basketball is like the sport. Like they, they'll tell you, you got to keep shooting. You'll eventually shoot yourself out or write yourself out of the thing. Right. So the point is you have to use the charism even when you don't feel it to fight the thing that's coming against you. Mm. It's almost like joy is the antidote. Like I'm going to go back to that place where I am the most connected with yeah. the Lord and have that joy yeah. because that's what's going to make him like <laughs> kick him to the side. Yeah, <laughs> like you yeah. can't keep fighting in that place if you keep showing that this is yeah. a connection you have with the Lord. Um, so Megan and I really enjoy the podcast by Annie F. Downs and it's called That Sounds Fun. And um, she's really opened me up a lot to taking a step back and pondering like what is actually fun to me Mm. and when I did that that's whenever I saw like I really enjoy gardening and I really enjoy this and this really brings me life and um and so that coupled with play and how um being a yeah I teach eighth grade girls PE and um and I see with it like they're eighth grade girls like today for example it was cold outside, so we did an indoor workout with our chairs and stuff. It was fun. But then they wanted to play musical chairs. <laughs> so we played musical chairs. Um, another time we went outside, and instead of running their lap, um, they skipped it. And they had so much delight on like their face. Like they skipped around. They skipped, they skipped <laughs> around so the basketball cute. court instead of running. And they had so much delight in their eyes. And one of them even said, I forgot how much fun that was. <laughs> and so I feel like um, a part of the awakening and coming to know, um, your giftings and that sort of thing is getting back to the place of play Mm -hmm. and of what sounds, what's fun to you. It brings you joy. Like what you just said, um, and entering into that and resting there and allowing yourself to, to experience those things again. And it might just reawaken and connect you to what 
you thought about when you were a child, like what you were saying, Father Charlie, um, and then how does that apply to you today? Can I just affirm you for a second that you are doing like mission work at that school? Oh, thank you. <laughs> In this public school oh, with a so group good. of, she's only there one hour a day, but you are really like accessing the hearts of those girls in a beautiful way. But I feel like you're planting seeds of lifelong. Thank you. Lifelong um, growth for those girls. Good job, friend. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I derail. That's <laughs> happening for sure. I love them so I much. Think it is. You're blessing her. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. But I agree with that, that play aspect. And I think yeah. that's what I receive with youth ministry because it's like free abandoned to just have fun. Yes. Like, And I'm bringing, you know, Jesus is obviously the goal. But we get to have fun in the process. <laughs> right. Maybe we need a little more fun. Maybe yeah. that's maybe that's part of yeah. the awakening. Maybe so. Having a little more maybe fun. Maybe so. Um, so something that you said previously that I want to kind of shift a little bit. Um, you were talking about your parishioners who some, you know, choose to stay at home mm-hmm. during the the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and you mentioned like, don't you miss our Lord? Mm-hmm. That really struck my heart. Um, now we're entering into the Eucharistic revival, mm-hmm. which Megan and I are super excited. We, do. We're, we may be the most excited people we, in all of America. <laughs> I know. About we this. are. Like we want to just run in the streets and, yes, this is happening. Eucharistic revival. We'll calm down. <laughs> yes, we will. Uh, no, we won't. <laughs> we won't. We won't. It's not going to happen. Say, we need a little more enthusiasm. <laughs> We've got lots. Yes, yes, we do. Um, But what has been your journey with um, the Eucharist and Jesus' true presence throughout your life and now as a priest? Well, it's interesting uh, when you mention that, Andrew. So it's when I was discerning the priesthood. So I first discerned the priesthood when I was uh, in high school. Um, I didn't go in straight out of high school because I was extremely shy. Most mm. people don't believe this about me, but, um, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm an introvert at heart. Mm. Um, and I remembered I would go to the church where my family was going to at that time. And um, they didn't have like an adoration chapel per se at that time, but they had a, uh, a room where the tabernacle was. Um, um, and you could, you know, just go there and be adore the Lord in uh, that way. And I remember going there um, and I was just, I was just, drawn there. Um, and so in any of the moments of my life where I was really trying to discern or like just, you know, not sure which way to go, et cetera, um, I just naturally, I just naturally go before our Lord, especially in his Eucharistic presence. Um, when I was uh, at AM my freshman year was the first time I ever got into um, Eucharistic adoration. I remember as a freshman um, that they, you know, were asking and I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. Um, and so that was kind of my introduction to, uh, to adoring our Lord, you know, in that sense. Um, and so it's, it's been an important part, um, for me. Um, but, you know, I encounter the Lord in the Eucharist. I, you know, I like nature, I'm a hiker. So like, I like to, you know, find the Lord in that way. But to me, the difference is, um, it's really that personal sense so if I want, obviously we all know that God is with us always. We can always talk to mm-hmm. God, but it's different. The way I like to talk about it, it's it's like I could pick up the phone and talk to a friend, um, but if I'm actually in front of the friend, it's a different experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, when I want to, you know, just pick up the phone and talk to God, okay, I can offer prayer anywhere. But when I really want to, like be in God's presence um, and feel like I have the person of God in front of me, that's when I go before mm. our you, mm. Lord's Eucharistic presence. Um, 
And, you know, it was interesting, too, because during the pandemic, um, when a lot of places were actually closing their uh, chapels, et cetera, what God spoke to me was to do the opposite. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we actually went... uh, I've always wanted to do perpetual um, adoration at a parish where I've been pastor. I've been blessed as a proco vicar to have it, uh, have perpetual adoration. But um, so we actually did perpetual during um, the lockdown. You did? We did. Um, oh, wow. Because what we did is we just had one person. So we yeah. were able to obey the restrictions because it said one person could be in front. Did and so we did that. that and we did 24 <laughs> hours, beautiful. okay, with wow. different people that we could get, et cetera. Yeah. And again, people had time on their hands at that point. Right. right? We would have been right. there had we known. And so, um, and so, so we did, you know, um, and we actually expanded our adoration hours uh, wow. during the pandemic. Um, and um, I joke because um, I'm a fan of Southwest Airlines and their business approach. Uh, they, <laughs> so whenever all the other airlines like cut back, Southwest always expands mm-hmm. uh, uh-huh. because they know things will eventually get better and they will have like had market share, right? right. Uh, so it was like the thing God reminded me of like Southwest and said, do it. And so yeah. like, so we actually expanded, you know, our adoration hours. Uh-huh. But, and it was interesting too, because we would also um, do, we would put a camera in front of uh, our Lord's Eucharistic presence when we were in the lockdown part um, as well, so that people could adore our Lord, you know, in that oh, way. Wow. Um, it was just, it was fascinating to hear the comments um, that we would get, um, you know, and hearing, you know, from people, it's just, uh, people would talk about like how much, you know, comfort, um, mm-hmm. uh, the solace, uh, et cetera. Um, and so to me, I think it's saying, you know, do you hunger, desire to have our Lord that present to you? Mm-hmm. Because I think sometimes we're afraid of it. Just like sometimes with a friend, like we would rather like honestly talk to the friend by phone rather than in person. We can mm-hmm. have those moments, right, where we it's almost like we'd rather keep them a little distance, mm. right? Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes to me when you talk about this Eucharistic revival, I think part of it is is saying, you know, do I want God to be that close? Do I want to have that much of an up-close personal? Because it can be scary. Mm-hmm. There are moments when I have my time of adoration and it's not uh, all fun times, okay? Yeah. Uh, there's sometimes when the Lord calls me to task and says, yeah, you shouldn't have said that today or you shouldn't have done that today. Uh-huh. Uh, or, yeah, you need to look at this or look at that. And yeah. I go, ugh. Uh, <laughs> um, there are other yeah. times when it's very consoling, right? But it, it's both. Uh, there's challenge. There's consolation. It's a relationship which has all of those things. And so I think we have to ask ourselves in to have a Eucharistic revivals to say, do we want to go there with the Lord? Mm. Do we want to go there not just in a superficial way? Do we want to go there in a vulnerable way uh, and realize that, yes, he will encourage us, but he'll also challenge us? Mm-hmm. Are we willing for that? And I think I think the truth that people were to acknowledge is sometimes we're afraid of that. Yeah. Wow. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. I said this at the beginning of the um, podcast that dropped today, but you guys haven't heard it, so, so I'm gonna say it again. <laughs> um, the uh, we were, I was kind of introing the Eucharistic revival, and um, and it kind of put me back in that place of the lockdown, and that moment when we found out we would not be able to go to mass anymore. Like what a heartbreaking, mm-hmm. heartbreaking moment that was for all of us, and probably even. I can see by the look in your eyes more so for you. Um, but I I taught theology at the time for um, this little Catholic school. And I was on Zoom, as we all were, <laughs> with my teens, my high schoolers. And we were just talking about like the fact that we couldn't go to 
to Mass anymore and how, how deeply we miss Jesus mm-hmm. in the Eucharist. And we would kind of like dream about this one day when the churches were going to open back up again. Mm-hmm. And I just had this like vision of us just like bursting. Really, in my mind, I thought it was going to happen by Easter Sunday. <laughs> because, yeah, I remember that. Because this pandemic's only going to last like two weeks two and weeks, we're going to be right. fine. We was, did our part to flatten the curve. Right. And so, so I was, I had this like vision that Easter Sunday, we were all just going to pile back into the church. Yeah. And, um, and that was right around the time when um, the Pew Research study came out that said yeah. only a third of Catholics believe that Jesus is truly present in the Eucharist which shook us to our core. Mm-hmm. And um, and we desperately wanted to do something about that at the time. And we were planning this whole retreat to enliven the love of the Eucharist and families. And, and that got shut down <laughs> by the pandemic. Yeah. And um, But I, I kept feeling like it was almost the antidote that we needed to this feeling as if the Eucharist, you know, these people that don't know that Jesus is truly present in the Eucharist, that maybe after this time that we're going to have such a Eucharistic Mm -hmm. revival, like we're going to come flying back into the church because now we know what it feels like to not have him. Mm -hmm. Now we know what it feels like to long for him in a way that as Americans, we never really have had to do before, right? Mm -hmm. We've never been told you couldn't receive Jesus in the Eucharist. And when the churches did open back up, I was, I guess, pregnant, very, very pregnant and couldn't leave the, couldn't go anywhere because I didn't want to miss out. So I didn't get to go back. And, and there wasn't this like bursting back in the church. It was this very slow trickle. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we're still in that slow trickle right now. But what a beautiful time to revive the church. Like yeah. it, even, and, and the bishops started this process of um, deciding we needed a Eucharistic revival before the pandemic even hit. And now it just seems like this prime moment to say like, the Eucharist is not just this theological concept. Like it is our Jesus truly present. Like we get yeah. to go and be with him. And I think a lot of Catholics just don't know that. Like they yeah. just don't know what it feels like to encounter the Lord in the Eucharist. I, I think, um, I'm kind of bold here. I think there needs to be a bit of reconciliation. Um, because for the third that fully believe that Jesus is present in the Eucharist, we experienced that deep longing when we couldn't receive him. Mm-hmm. But the two thirds that did not, you know, are, aren't aware or don't believe that Jesus is fully present in the Eucharist. <clears throat> the fact that um, churches were shut down and adoration chapels were closed, it just affirmed their, their thought that, well, I, it's not that important, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and so I, like you, Megan, I agree that this is such a beautiful time for this revival and awakening. Um, and I pray that there's also some reconciliation there. There's a fr- my husband, um, is friends with a priest who, who actually just out of nowhere just said that to Chris and Chris didn't realize, um, how much truth there was to, for him and, and, and how much um, peace that brought his heart to hear that. He didn't know he needed to hear that, mm. um, that apology and just from, from, from him. And I don't know that what that would look like. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I'm sorry if that kind of Well, before you even answer that know, question, I, I was not part of St. Albert the Great at the time, but I followed you on Instagram. <laughs> so <laughs> I wish I would have known about the Eucharistic Chapel, but or the Adoration Chapel, but you did a beautiful job of 
really trying to connect with the people in the sacraments. And I, and it was very moving for me um, as an outsider looking in going, wow, like it showed how much being a priest and offering the sacraments was your entire calling in life that you could not live without somehow giving people an opportunity to receive reconciliation, like parking lot reconciliation. I love that. It's so beautiful. All these beautiful, like, like we're not just going to shut down. We're going to be safe. Right. But we're going to give people a chance to be with the person they need the most right now, yeah. which is Jesus. Yeah. Now you can answer if you want to. <laughs> uh, so I, I think it's – there can be sometimes a lack of creativity. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what my challenge was. What God's challenge to me was be creative, Charlie, when when all this hit. Um, and that was my challenge to my team, and we were. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're trying you know, now to say, okay, what's what's the next stage of creativity for the next bit? Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was tough. Um, I mean, this is what I also try to tell people as I said, when they, you know, I said, you guys don't realize how hard it is for me that you're sitting behind your screen right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the difference is when someone's behind the screen, they can see us, yeah. but I can't see them. It's not a two way. Yeah. Um, I don't have a screen into e- each person's home or whatever. So when I, during those weeks, I absolutely hated it because what my experience of mass was, uh, was I was looking at a camera with lights shining at me. It was like a TV studio literally, mm-hmm. uh, because in order yeah. for it to be the best experience for those watching the live stream, it was horrible. Uh, mm-hmm. I hated it. It's, it was some of the most miserable times of celebrating mass in mm-hmm. my entire priesthood. Um, but it was because, you know, again, it's like, for me, it always, I get emotional about it because it, it's like, you know, being cut off from your family. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's a case of, but, and that's the challenge is part of the family still cut off yeah. um, in different ways because I haven't come back. Mm-hmm. Um, so reconciliation, I agree. I mean, but I, but I think it's, to me, <laughs> Neil Lozano uh, has a great line when it talks about um, forgiveness Forgiveness is a choice of one person. Mm. Reconciliation is a choice of two or more. Part of it is to say, and I guess the thing that I wouldn't say necessarily that it doesn't have to be reconciliation, but I would say is I think what may be more is there needs to be forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't blame anyone who made those particular choices. They were trying to do the best that they right. were able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I might have my own personal opinion, mm-hmm. uh, but I wasn't wearing a pointy hat. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I've learned as a pastor, when you're in the position – it's hard. Oh, um, yeah. I pray for our bishops. I pray for our leaders in general. It is hard to be a leader. It's mm-hmm. hard to be a leader. And it's easy sometimes to wonder which which way God's calling. So I think, to me, I think there does need to be a place of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if people were more forgiving about a whole host of things, um, mm-hmm. uh, that that's what I would offer. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Because then that's when there can be a peace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I love the idea that you're in the creative mode again. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I love, I think that's one of the things that draws me to this parish is just the willingness to follow the Holy Spirit. And I know that's not easy because you, you know, have a whole host of people that you're called to shepherd and being a priest is hard and there's budgets and there's mm-hmm. all sorts of things that weigh it down. But I love the idea of staying true to what the teachings of the church are and really pointing people to Jesus, but having the ability to listen to the spirit and be creative. Yeah. I, yeah. I just, I'm really hopeful. Yeah. I'm really hopeful for the next three years yeah. that I just, yeah. yeah, that something beautiful comes out of this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I fully, I fully think it will be, oh my gosh, I'm just really excited. Um, but I love what you said, Father Charlie, I'm still marinating in it just now of, um, that there, there needs to be forgiveness 
And my challenge to myself and to listeners um, is just to go to that place if you're feeling any sort of hurt from how the pandemic was handled or um, if you're still holding on to any sort of um, animosity, would that be the right word? I don't know. Um, just any anything um, regarding that, just to go to that place and offer it to the Lord and um, forgive because you're right. I mean, the, the, our shepherds were doing the best with what they could mm-hmm. and acting in obedience and too. acting in obedience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so to let go of that and to come back and say, how can I help you yeah. in your, in your desire to be creative and to, to bring others, to bring the two thirds back um, even part of the one third, um, but just to re-enliven and to come back even mm-hmm. stronger than what we were before. Um, so I'm excited. Okay. Well, I would love to keep talking about the Eucharist for like the next five hours, but yes. Father Charlie has somewhere he needs to be. Yes. So we should probably wrap up. <laughs> we need to share um, him. So I don't know if we told you this at the beginning when we were talking, but we always end with what's God doing in your heart today or in recently. And so it's kind of a chance for us to get to share um, just the way the spirit's moving in our lives. And we'll go first, so you don't have to. <laughs> so you can watch us do it first. Um, yeah, you might. Like, <laughs> sorry, we left that part out of the podcast prep. Um, so I'll go first. Okay, because I know I thought about it earlier. Oh, good job. Um, so I guess it was a week or two ago at mass. You spoke about evangelization, and and you've been speaking about evangelization for a couple of weeks now, and just this idea that the church is is still not back to its capacity. And, and that's not what matters. The capacity is not what matters. It's the hearts of the people that you're, mm-hmm. you're longing for. I didn't mm-hmm. want to make it sound like you're just worried about numbers because yeah. that's not it. And you stirred something in me or the Holy Spirit stirred something in me in that moment that I literally wanted to get up and run to the altar. Like I'd stop myself because that would be a bad idea, <laughs> but I wanted to. So I came up to you after mass and was like, Father Charlie, I will help you. Um, but I just have this very deep in the last two weeks, almost like an apostolic zeal, like it just sounds mm-hmm. like such a strong word to say, but I can't think of anything else that matches that level of intensity in my heart right now for um, just evangelization, for preaching the gospel, for pointing people straight to Jesus. I, I told Kendra, starting in like December, I had this uh, call, like this feeling of this calling that our job is to point people to Jesus, like like John the Baptist, like make straight the paths. And, and I even have this vision in my mind of like us being way in the back and no one looking at us. And they're just being this um, almost like rut in the ground where you, people have to walk straight to Jesus. Like you're in this pathway and you can't get out. <laughs> this cor- also, not a huge one. I mean, they right. could jump over the wall if they wanted to, but like just this vision of, <laughs> I'm not forcing anybody to love Jesus, but I really want them to. But just this feeling of like, kind of like now is a moment. Mm-hmm. That's a really big one God's doing in our hearts. So you mm-hmm. don't have to be that intense, <laughs> but that is, yeah. That's what I feel right now. And and every time I'm in adoration or every time I'm in prayer, it just mm-hmm. is welling up. And and I think it has something to do with this Eucharistic revival and yeah. I'm excited about it. Yeah. How about you, Kendra? That's What's God doing in your heart right now? Well, like right, right now. Um, <laughs> right in this moment. This to- conversation <laughs> has really stirred within me. Like I just want to go sit at the feet of the Lord and dive into um, places that I need to forgive. And so thank you for that. Um, just speaking truth to my heart. And um yeah, I, I'm, I'm just in a place of, okay, 
I need to go listen to this and sit with God in this and and allow him to direct my heart and um, release. Hmm. That makes so things you're holding on to. Maybe so. That's good. Because that came from somewhere. Right. So, yeah. Good. Go have some time with Jesus. How about you, Father Charlie? What's God been doing in your heart? Yeah, it's, I mean, because I mentioned to you guys before we, we started, um, it's been a harder week. I mean, part of it is honestly what you were mentioning, Megan, is it's sometimes there's moments where you can get a little, you can feel discouragement creeping in mm-hmm. because you've tried. Like, again, mm-hmm. you know, I, one of the things I always say, Lord, is, you know, I've worked my butt off for you, Lord, uh, during the time <laughs> uh, as far as the pandemic. Yeah. And I'll just be honest. I mean, the thing that's kind of been in my heart in recent weeks is just there's moments when you don't see the fruit, mm-hmm. um, you know, as quickly as you would like. Right. Um, and that's, I, I think, has been the the thing that's been hard for me um, is that I've just been trying to, you know, keep relaying to the Lord. You know, Lord, I know we don't always see the fruit as quickly as we would like to see it. Um, and so that's been the thing I've been just trying to, you know, um, keep offering to the Lord is Lord, you know, um, help me to remember, you know, yes, I'm not doing this, uh, for numbers. Cause again, it's easy to get wrapped in, you know, quantitative, mm-hmm. sure, uh, yeah. you know, stuff you can see, right. That, um, and, uh, so, so I would say that's just a big thing is, it's been on my hardest, like to keep doing what the Lord's asking me to do, even when it doesn't seem to be maybe bearing as much fruit as you would like now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as I said, too, I always have to remind myself, what's been interesting is our Spanish ministry has been bearing a lot of fruit. Uh, the English, we've still been struggling. And um, so, so that's where, you know, just kind of, you know, saying Lord desire to do that. Um, yeah, but yeah. What was that quote last night? Kendra, humility is planting seeds, but not seeing the fruit. Yeah. Ouch. Like, I don't really want yeah. that, though. <laughs> I, I want know, to see the fruit. I know, I know. But it's knowing that you're doing yeah. what you're called to do mm-hmm. and the fruit will come. Thank you for your faithfulness and Absolutely. steadfastness. And, and I feel just shepherd. a call in my heart to say to anyone listening, like, part of what is exciting to me about the Eucharistic revival is that it starts at a diocesan level and then mm-hmm. it's going to the parish level. And at the parish level, they're calling for the laity to step up and be a part of this. Like our parish priests need us. Yeah. They're tired from the pandemic. Like I see yeah. the look in your eyes of like how hard you worked and they need us to help them mm-hmm. to carry out this calling and to be the excitement in the pews and to love people and to encounter them and to engage and invite people in. And there's so much we can be doing. The other part of what God keeps putting in my heart is discipleship. Like we are called to disciple. So we'll talk about that more later on. We will for sure. sure. All right. We will let you go because it is time. All right. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much. See you next week. (laughs) Bye. Oh, you guys, wasn't he wonderful? Every moment I get with Father Charlie, I just soak in every word he has to say. The man is so full of wisdom and so close to the Lord. And I just feel like every chance I have with him is an opportunity to grow and to learn, and I'm not losing any of it. (laughs) I'm not going to miss out on even a second of what he has to offer. So I'm so thankful that he came on our podcast today. And if you were intrigued by what he talked about with healing and deliverance, St. Albert the Great, which is Father Charlie's parish, is bringing Neil Lozano, who is the author of the book Unbound, and to our parish. And there will be a conference on February 12th called the Unbound Conference. We would love for you to join us. Kendra and I will be there. You can register at stalbertthegreat.com. 
And also, we would love for you to come to our event on February 18th, Set Free. And that is put on by His Beloved. And for those of you who don't know, His Beloved is a women's ministry in Austin, Texas. We put on adoration and worship nights. And our next one will be at St. John Vianney in Round Rock at 6 o'clock. The cost is $20. Kendra and I will be the speakers. We'll have dinner. We'll have worship, adoration, confession, healing prayer. It's going to be a beautiful night. The Lord is doing so much, and I cannot wait to see. He just keeps putting this message on our hearts for Kendra and I that He wants to encounter each and every one of you. He wants this to be a time where we break free of shame, of heartache, of unforgiveness, of sin, of all the things that we've been holding on to, and just really allow Him to enter in, to give us healing, to give us grace, to give us peace, and to go forward in community and in relationship with Him. All right, guys, I'll see you next week.